Welcome to Care More, Be Better, a podcast for people like you who care about the social impact of conscious companies and everyday heroes. Hear inspiring stories from those who put people and planet before profit and personal gain. You'll learn how you can make a difference, vote with your dollars, and get involved today. Here's your host, Karina Belizzi. Hello, fellow do-getters and friends. I am your host, Karina Blizzy. I should call you Regenerators this week because this is installment two in my series on Paul Hawkins' book, Regeneration, Ending the Climate Crisis in One Generation. For those of you watching this on YouTube, you'll see it right here. This is my new handy-dandy book. I have it dog-eared. I've been reading it chapter by chapter each morning and night. And today, I'm going to be covering the section called Forests. It's a deep dive into the book, even if you don't go out and get it yourself. You can get a taste of what it's like, a taste of the solutions that are covered. I'm going to provide with show notes links to everything we discuss and a full transcription of this podcast on our website, caremorebebetter.com. So if any of this compels you and you want to dig deeper, just visit the show website. While you're at it, I hope you'll consider becoming a member and supporter of the show. Our members receive special perks, exclusive content, and early access to shows. To find out more about Patreon membership, one-time donation support, and our Etsy shop, visit the show support page on caremorebebetter.com. Once show costs are covered, we will donate surplus funds to charities that support social causes and the health of our planet. As we commence today's show, I want you to think about a time when you've been surrounded by nature, in the middle of a forest, perhaps on a glade. Think about the sights, smells, and sounds around you. Forests are full of a quiet power because they're full of life. You may not always see signs of life at first glance, but if you look closely beneath your feet and in the trees, you'll soon realize it's all around you. Forests have been seen as a resource by landowners for a long, long time. Their tall trees become timber, helping us build our homes. But what many forget is that when we harvest trees, especially when we clear-cut mountains, we are destroying an entire, deeply connected ecosystem. That once thriving ecosystem, once laid bare, has lost its innate quality of being able to sequester carbon from our atmosphere. It's prone to erosion, which can result in mudslides and of soil degradation. If we instead were to select trees without clear-cutting, Preserving the diversity of the ecosystem, the forest could continue to thrive, supporting life within and preserving its ability to sequester carbon and produce oxygen. The 2.2 trillion tons of carbon stored in forests could remain right there instead of dispersing it through clear cutting. But a more mindful method isn't commonplace. We need to get there. Though we continue to clear cut forests around the globe, there is hope. Forests can be restored. But the effects of global warming, including mega droughts and mega fires like those that we're experiencing in California, make this task ever more difficult. As I detail what's wrong and where solutions may lie, I want you to hold on to something. Understand that there is a regenerative solution to all of the problems we face with regard to climate change. And it starts with us simply having this very important conversation. Each of us can have an impact. We can write our congresspeople, shift our purchasing habits. We can organize. We can build a system in which we thrive together, an activistic community of support. So even as we dig through this together, 
And even when it seems bleak, keep that in your mind. We can regenerate. Okay, here goes. Are you ready? Proforestation. Do you know what proforestation is? It's exactly what it sounds like. Proforests. It preserves swaths of forests intact as opposed to logging them for timber, even selectively, because what we once thought was true of old growth trees isn't. You see, we used to think that as they approached the end of their lives, that they stopped sequestering as much carbon. But that's simply not true. New growth trees take a long time to mature and to reach the same levels of carbon sequestration. So what are we really doing when we cut an old tree and just simply replace it with one new sapling? Cutting down one tree and replacing it with another really isn't enough. It doesn't make up for the loss. Logically, this all makes sense. So we really should avoid taking that simplistic approach. Number two, protect boreal forests. The boreal forests form the largest intact forest system in the world. They stretch from Canada to Alaska to Scandinavia, Russia, and northern Japan. Evergreens of all sorts, moss, lichens, deer, bison, caribou, lynx, wolves, and bear. It covers 1.2 billion acres. And here I'll quote Paul Hawkins' book, Regeneration, from page 39. Quote, the boreal has the highest carbon density of any region on earth with more carbon below the ground than intact tropical forests have above the ground. The forests hold 1,140 billion tons of carbon in soil and biomass, 50% more than what is in the atmosphere. The damp, cold conditions in the boreal prolong decay and create carbon-rich bogs and peatlands. When boreal forests are harvested and clear-cut, the disturbance dries out the soil, which creates carbon emissions greater than the loss of the trees. End quote. Now, recently, advocates for our climate have put forth proposals to set aside between 30 and 50% of nature for nature, meaning that it wouldn't be developed, that we wouldn't be harvesting from it. This um, is really a, a way of simply letting that space go wild so that it can be its own natural ecosystem. The present goal is to set aside that 30% by 2030. It is possible. It's going to take a bit of work. Number three, stop clear-cutting tropical rainforests. While forests can recover, and while trees can be planted to replace those that have been taken, it takes decades, even a century, for the ecosystem to fully recover. The complexity of life in tropical forests, also known as rainforests, house at least two-thirds of all the species that are present on Earth, some of which are still being discovered, <laughs> so that number could continue to climb. And now I'll quote Paul Hawkins' book once again. Deforestation in the tropics is largely driven by the production of four commodities, cattle, soy, palm oil, and wood, much of which is exported, end quote. Some of this can be tackled through individual choices, right? But much is controlled by industry, which is further controlled by regulations. And guess what? Activists can affect policy. We can all have an effect. It all starts with a conversation. Number four, afforestation projects. Earlier, we talked about proforestation, where we work to preserve existing forests. Afforestation is just a little different. In this case, we introduce trees to open spaces that weren't previously forested or haven't been in some time. China is actually leading the way in this arena, where after rampant flooding, 
the government seeks to plant 50 billion trees, an audacious goal. This would create a 3,000-mile barrier, which they are calling the Green Great Wall of China. It would go along the Gobi Desert, and its effort is essentially to halt storms, to stop them in their tracks, reduce winds, essentially keep their climate a little bit more stable. Number five, preserve peatlands. When I think of peatlands, I automatically think of the British Isles and of peaty scotches that I absolutely love. Did you know that more than 50% of the world's peatlands are actually located in Indonesia? This includes Sumatra, Borneo, and the Malaysian state of Sarawak, as Paul Hawken points out in Regeneration. But these peatlands are far different from those of Scotland. On page 46, we learn, quote, In the tropics, trees and lowland swamp forests can grow to the height of a 20-story building. The forests are flooded in the rainy season and later dominated by dark, tannin-colored pools in the dry season, end quote. Unfortunately, much of these peatlands have been destroyed and drained to create farmland. What's more, by doing this and by implementing slash and burn processes, fire ignites and when deeper layers of the peat catch fire, forest fires spread and pockets through the peatland, erupting in unexpected places as they burn through five to 10,000 year old stored fuel that's been underground sequestering carbon for all that time. And you guessed it this releases that stored carbon into the atmosphere. So not only do we see a degradation of our ability to sequester carbon, we're releasing much more. Okay, um, are you ready for a break? (laughs) It's hard to think about what we can do in the face of these problems. And I laugh because it just makes me uncomfortable. Big questions will be answered as we continue through this work. And any of us, indeed all of us, can work to compel industry and government to change their practices. The first step is awareness. And um, that's where we are together right now at this moment. There are solutions afoot and many are posed in the book, which I won't have time to go through one by one. So I encourage you to pick it up. We'll talk through some of it. The solutions are afoot are simple in some ways, like protecting mangrove forests, reducing our reliance on palm oil, shifting agricultural practices, and ultimately pushing forth this concept of regeneration, which keeps life and our earth at the center of each decision that we make. Number six, promoting agroforestry. What exactly is agroforestry? This can be divided into a few different categories. Alley cropping, which looks a little more like traditional farming, includes the use of cover crops beneath trees or bushes that can be grazed by livestock. You might think about a vineyard that has these kind of rolling uh, weaving paths and perhaps some grass underneath and some weeds, maybe a rose bush at the end of each of their uh, alleys. That could be considered a form of alley cropping. Silvopasture is the intentional integration of trees and livestock on the same land. And forest farming, where you grow crops under the protection of a managed tree canopy. Cacao trees are a common forest farmed resource and one example that comes to mind. Ultimately, each type of agroforestry could be summarized as a synergistic farming method that integrates forest ecosystems and it can even incorporate animal husbandry. The plants complement one another. They might provide resources to it. The animals that are grazing on the floor and add nutrients to the plants as well. Number seven, we're moving on to fire. This is a tough one to cover 
I live in California. I was actually evacuated for 10 days last year because of the fires that were encroaching on Scotts Valley, which was something I never expected to see happen in my lifetime. But it did. And it could again. This one was simply lightning strike. Lightning strikes started us, watched the fires that no one thought would really happen. Um, I live next to an open space preserve, so didn't have the same risk as some other communities. But they evacuated my entire town, a bedroom community of commuters who often work in Silicon Valley. Now, controlled burns are actually a very effective way of controlling undergrowth, right? However, a lot of what we have here, and specifically the Santa Cruz Mountains, is a really treacherous kind of terrain. So it's difficult to even think about how we might manage that. But we can learn a lot from indigenous peoples around the globe who lived here before us and managed these forests before we were ever here. You can light strategic fires after a season's rain and have controlled burns that control the undergrowth. At that critical point in time, the tree cover is sufficiently hydrated to mostly survive and weather the storm. You can control the area that's being burned. And the ash of the underbrush is able to give rise to new life. Without controlled burns, fire seasons, as we've seen, can get completely out of control. As Paul Hawken notes, Aboriginal people in Northern Australia have been able to successfully use properly timed small fires, resulting in a dramatic reduction in dangerous wildfires, burning 57% fewer acres. This has positively impacted greenhouse gas emissions, reducing them by 40%. And Australia is doing something really cool to support this and other similar efforts. They employ a cap-and-trade system, whereby emitters compensate those who sequester or avoid emissions. The organizations using ancient burning techniques have therefore earned $80 million, which they have been able to reinvest in their communities for a better education and hundreds of jobs. And that's detailed on page 55 of Regeneration. It's time for the rest of the world to look at controlled, seasonally timed small burns to support our forest health is an effective means of controlling the underbrush and will reduce the likelihood of -of out-of-control fires like those that we are seeing all over the globe. As we head into the eighth and final topic of this week's deep dive into regeneration, Ending the Climate Crisis in One Generation by Paul Hawken, we get to talk about a marvelous tree-like grass that can top heights of many forests around the globe. This incredible featured plant is simply bamboo. Now this topic packs with it a heck of a lot of hope, as bamboo is capable of producing one-third more oxygen than a similar parcel of forest while sequestering more carbon. It can grow on degraded land, in either full sun or shade. It can be harvested with ease and re-sprouts easily from roots. And this may sound crazy, but it's true. Giant bamboo can grow up to 36 inches in a single day, reaching 90 feet in height at maturity. So it can replace other slower-growing trees as a source for toilet paper, building materials, and furniture, and it can even be used as a replacement component in concrete. It also provides food with delicious bamboo shoots added to many a soup or salad. Ultimately, while bamboo can be insidious and tends to outcompete many other plants and trees, it makes a great windbreak, it's a soil stabilizer, and supports global cooling. It just needs to be managed appropriately. 
So as we wrap up this section of regeneration and our coverage of forests, I ask a simple question. Which of these eight do you think you could champion? Which interests you the most? Will you advocate for proforestation and afforestation? Or are you more interested in preserving our peatlands or boreal and tropical forests? Perhaps you work in construction and want to advocate for the use of more bamboo in your building materials, or you're moved to advocate for controlled burns to protect our forests. No matter your area of interest, you can make a difference. Simply by sharing this podcast, and as a result, this incredible and important book with people in your life. As I said in my interview with Paul, my copy is already well-worn. It may have a coffee stain or two. It may even have suffered a pen mark from my toddler. It's living with me. It's serving its purpose. In next week's session, which is part three of this series, we're going to dig into a concept I'm passionate about, which is wilding. It's the next big section of the book. We'll get to talk about trophic cascades, grazing ecology, wildlife corridors, pollinators, wetlands, and more. So in preparation for next week, get outside, enjoy a piece of nature, and spend some time in the great wild outdoors. It's the perfect way to say goodbye to what was our summer, hello to the shifting seasons, as up here on the Northern Hemisphere, we enter fall, and in the Southern Hemisphere, you enter spring. Thank you, listeners, now and always, for being a part of this pod and this community, because it's my firm belief that together we really can do so much more. I invite you to visit my website. I love to hear your comments, and I'm planning to do a live stream very soon where I'm going to cover regeneration.org, dig into the Nexus section, and help share it with all of you. Obviously, this is something that means a lot to me. And I hope that you're finding some connection to it as well. Thanks for listening to Care More, Be Better, a podcast for social good. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And share with your friends to help us reach more people and spread more social good.